How many of you have noticed on your, maybe a phone of yours, maybe it's an iPhone or maybe Androids, I'm sure they do this too, this annoying feature that are on iPhones and other phones, this tracking idea, this, this idea of like tracking what you do, tracking uh, like the, the kind of activity you use your phone for and how you use it literally precisely to the minute. And this, this is, I think this is annoying and here's why, because it puts us in a corner Right? It kind of puts us in a corner, and this is what I mean by that. You'll tell a friend or someone close to you or someone you live with, you're like, I don't spend that much time on social media. And then they look at that screen, and, and the screen says, well, no, I, you spent 56% of your phone time this week on social media, right? So it kind of puts you in the corner. Or maybe it's like, you know, you're younger or maybe older, and you're like, well, I don't spend, uh, I spend, um, you know, I don't spend that much time on games. And it's like, well, your phone says you spend 32% of your time on games. And then, you're, and then you're like, well, no, I only use my phone for work. Well, your phone only says you use your for work 14% of the time. And so all of a sudden you get put into the corner. I don't know, does that, is that annoying for anybody? No? Good or bad? Wow, you like to be tracked like that? Anyways, I, I find that it exposes our habits. It exposes our real habits, not our perceived ones, because we have these perceived habits that we do this, or we like this, or this is how we are. But then this exposes our real habits. And uh, now imagine if we had this kind of like daily reminder, daily idea, daily thought about how we use our money. And we're talking with people around that, and we're, and we're talking about budgets and stuff, and then like, we had this like, screen that showed exactly like, where we spend our money. And so someone says, like, hey, how much money do you spend on your car every year? It's like, oh, I only spend so little amount. It's like, well, this says you spend like 44% of your budget on your car. You know? Or you say, like, I, I live very simply. I rarely buy new clothing. Well, this says you spend like 32% of your money on clothing. You know? and, uh, or maybe, maybe you want to really, you know, like in front of people, you're just thinking... Uh, you say something like, I'm a really generous person. I give to my church. I give to friends. I give to causes. Say, well, this says you only give 2% of your money away to... Wouldn't, would that be annoying to hold you? Yeah. Anyways, nobody's tracking with my annoying thing. I think... Anyways. So today, today we're starting a brand new series, and the series is called Money Habits. And this idea to really understand the things we do, sometimes automatically, sometimes intentionally, sometimes by reflex... But habits are usually things that we do consistently that reflect how we spend our time or money or thoughts or energy. But I want to talk about the next few weeks as we're going to engage this idea is our money habits. And this series is going to just kick us off today. And and really, today is going to be more more of a reflective type of approach to help us think about this stuff, to help us um, kind of discern a little bit of, of our money habits and some questions that I hope we can answer over the course of the next few weeks. And we'll start today is, well, one is, what are some of our money habits? If we put our money spending or use in, in a habit category, what would it be? And the question, that question is more around awareness, around discovery, you know, to really discover the habits we have around finances. The second question is, what are these, not only what are these habits, but what do these habits actually say about us? What do these habits say about us, say about our character, say about our priorities, say about our heart? And the last question around this as we kick this off today is, and in the next few weeks, is can we, can this lead to change? Can the discovery of our habits 
the reflection of what it actually says about us, can it lead by the work of the Holy Spirit in us to change? To, you know, does it say something about us that we don't want to be true? Think about that. Does our money habits say something about us that we don't want to be true? And then we step back and say, oh, how can this change in my life towards this? I, I want to lead you to a text in Matthew chapter 6, um, ver- starting at verse 19, just a few verses. And uh, here's, here's Jesus. He's, he's, um, this is a pretty um, direct kind of teaching from Christ. And it's in the context of a whole chapter, really, that talks about, um, you know, what we do and, and uh, our patterns, our habits, uh, and things like giving, prayer, and fasting. And then the larger idea is even our wealth and what we worry about. And Jesus tries to teach us around that. And then the bigger picture is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7. Jesus teaches about life and what it means to follow him. And here we have this short teaching right in the middle of it. And I want to just read it today. So chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says these words. Don't or do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. Here's this this verse one more time, verse 21, and I want to highlight it. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word treasure, later Jesus will use the word money, but here the word treasure, I mean, really, even in, in our time, we get what that means. But in the first century, he was talking about people's possessions, people's wealth, uh, what they owned, what they held dear to, what they really, what they treasured, but also what they used for life. And Jesus actually pokes holes at first century treasures when he talks about, uh, you know, uh, earthly treasures that, that a moth will kind of eat away at or rust will slowly destroy or maybe a thief will break in. And in that time period, garments maybe were held in a part of the house and moths would get to it. And if they weren't cleaned up or moved around or taken care of those without even looking, you go like a, a month or two later and there's a hole in there. And Jesus is like, if this is your treasure, this is what possibly can happen to it. And then he talks about metals that can slowly rust over time. And we can see that. And then even something like gold in that time period or a precious metal that can just be stolen like that. And so Jesus is picking holes at first century tre- treasure a little bit, but he's referring to what we know in our day and age is wealth, possessions, money, the things we value, the things we use uh, to live life. And he says specifically, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And today, as we jump into this new series called Money Habits, I want us to understand or reflect on what we do with our money. How do we invest it? How do we spend it? How do we use it? How do we view it? Because our treasure, or your treasure, my treasure, it might be caught up in some different things. It might be caught up in our wardrobe. It might be caught up, I mean, we've heard of, you know, some who have like elaborate shoe collection. Maybe there's like 150 shoes in your closet. I know that's a lot, but, but um, you know, it might be caught up in your wardrobe. It might be caught up in a tool bench, a car, a kitchen cabinet, gadgets, subscriptions. Everything is a subscription today. Netflix, Disney, iTunes, um, whatever, right? Everything is a subscription today. So it might be caught up in that. But really the heart of it is we, we all have money habits. 
We all have money habits. We all have things we do consistently with our money and where we spend our money. And here's what I want to get to as we start off today, and it's this. If you track your money habits, you will discern what you value. I want to put that on the screen. If you track your money habits, you will discover what you value. Jesus gives much attention to our treasure. And there's a lot, uh, there's several of his parables that either speak about wealth or money or, give, or use it as an illustration for how to, how to walk in the kingdom of God. But here specifically, Jesus gives much attention to our treasure. In fact, later on in another verse, Jesus puts it in competition with God. He puts our wealth and our money in competition with God. Verse 24, Jesus says this, and you can read it off the screen. He says, no one serves, and look at the word he uses, no one serves two, what does it say? Masters. I mean, we don't even use that language today. We would hate to say that anything's our master. And even though, obviously, as believers, we worship Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, our Master. But here he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have both God and money as your master. It's impossible. And Jesus gives so much attention to our treasure that he actually, in his teaching, you know, puts it in competition We know there's officially no competition, but how he presents it to us in competition with God. And that's strange. I mean, Jesus gives that much attention to your money, to my money, to your treasure, to my treasure. We know money's temporary. We don't take it when we're gone. We know that we can spend it in a second and we can't get it back. We know that, you know, uh, it, it can be an instrument used for good or bad, We know that even the way we use money today, the system of money is man-made, but the idea of trading and using goods for this, and yet the potential that we have in our heart to treat money and serve money like a God is here. Jesus tells us there's the potential that you will wrestle with two masters, and he says money can become one of them. And I think if we just pause and step back, well, why would Jesus say that about money? And think about money for a second, the power of money in our lives, the power of money in our society. Anything you do, most things that you do comes to a cost, right? Like if you had breakfast this morning, you you know, most of you did not have some chickens in the backyard, right? That kind of like, you know, gave you some eggs and, and most of you, went to the store and picked up some eggs sometime in the week. Whatever we do, whether it's an activity, whether it's uh, something related to a celebration, whether it's something for our own health benefits, whatever it is, there's often a cost related to it. And so money becomes very essential to how we live. Money, as much as it's temporary and how we, we don't keep it when we're gone, it actually outlives us. So money existed before you ever showed up on the, on the planet, and money will still exist when you leave the planet. And if you die and you leave your money here, if you die with money in your bank account, your money actually lives a little bit longer than you do. 
You're gone, but your money's in your bank account. Someone's going to use it. You've either allotted someone to use it, to give it away, or something, but it actually outlives you. Money reaches beyond your geography. Isn't that crazy? The, the, I remember, you know, when, when something happens in another part of the world, uh, the Ebola, you know, outbreak took place, and, and many of us and many people, you know, helped an organization serving in a completely other part of the world. We never were on site. We were never on site. We never held medicine in our hands. We never saw the people that were, were dealing with this Ebola crisis in Africa and other part of the world. What, were, what would happen is we, we digitally went online and we sent money to an organization we trusted so they could get supplies to these people. Isn't that crazy? Our money went way beyond our geography. And that happens now today even in our purchases, right? We like something, we're like, I can't really find it here locally. So you go online and you, you buy it online and you pay for the shipping and then it shows up at your house from somewhere. And um, that's crazy. So our, our money has influence beyond our geography. Our money or money in general, not always our money, money in general has this small g godlike influence where people have made sometimes horrible decisions because of money. How, some marriages have been broken because of money. How many bad business relationships have crumbled and have left a wake of you know, um, effects because of money? How many corrupt governments? What was in the envelopes stuck in politicians' socks in the, in the construction industry Montreal that highlighted a few years ago. What, what was in those envelopes? What was it? Anybody have the answer? Money. Yeah, money was in the envelopes. And so we, we can see the, the kind of influence. Here's the last one, the power of money. In our society, we often substitute it for meaning. We use it as a substitute for meaning. We buy happiness. We buy safety. We buy security. We buy peace. We buy sometimes even relationships or companionships. We buy pleasure. And so money can also be used in our world as a substitute, not the real thing, as a substitute for meaning. So when you think about all these things, it makes sense that Jesus says, this can actually become a master in your life if you're not careful. This thing right here, money, can, become, can start to master your life if you're not careful. It, 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 its power gives it the potential to become like a God. Martin Luther said these words. He said, what a man loves, that is his God. And so Jesus, he, he puts this teaching right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most popular, um, uh, I think, incredible teachings that we have of Jesus in all of the New Testament. He puts it right in the middle here because Jesus knows its power and he knows that it reflects your heart and he knows it reflects my heart. And he knows that our money habits reflect something that's going on inside of us. In fact, when Jesus uses the word heart, we can see that he, he also uses this and other New Testament writers use it in a similar way. That it speaks about what we do flows out of our hearts. Right? And so Jesus says, we have him quoted from Luke saying, out of the mouth, and there's some verses up on the screen, out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I know that we don't want to admit that. I know that like something you said this weekend and I said this weekend, are like, no, that's not really what's in my heart. It was just a mistake. But out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
Paul says this, doing the will of God. So something really wonderful, doing God's will from your heart. That when we serve God or long to serve God or do something for God or with his purposes, that comes out of our heart. Jesus quotes the Old Testament, and, and this is a common core idea for Jesus, that we would love the Lord our God, love the Lord your God with all your, the first thing is heart, with all your heart. So our love, our response, our devotion, our life comes out of our heart. Jesus says as well, it's from within, out of a person's heart. And this is a negative idea, that evil thoughts come. Evil thoughts come. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the, to the Corinthian church. And he's talking about their generosity, their giving, their fueling of local mission. And he says, each of you should give what you have decided where? In your heart. It wasn't just a strategic decision. It wasn't just a budget decision. It wasn't just a numbers decision. Paul is encouraging them, saying, when you give, as you're giving this week or ongoing towards the local mission of the church, you should give what you've decided in your heart because it comes out of your heart. And here's the last one. He speaks to the Colossian church, and we, we actually said it before in our gathering. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That's your actions, your decisions comes out of our heart. We can see the idea of the heart in, in Jesus' teaching and the, and the broader New Testament is this idea that everything we do comes from here. And so when Jesus teaches on money, it's no surprise that he says this. And so here's, here's how I want to kind of describe it this way, and you can read it off the screen. Money habits do two things. One, they flow out of and they reveal our hearts. So money habits flow out of here. Whatever, whatever we're doing with our money, whatever, when we look at our money habits, and as we're gonna, I'm going to encourage you to do later today, they, come out of, they flow out of our heart. So it comes out of here. But here's the reverse that's true as well. When you look at your money habits, they reveal what's going on in here. So one, it flows out of here, but it also reveals what's going on inside of you. And, and here's the beautiful thing. Once we discover this truth, once we discover what our habits reveal, we have the opportunity to thrive with them. We have the opportunity to submit them to God. We have the opportunity for God to shape them. We have the opportunity for us to bring adjustment and correction to them according to God's work in our lives, according to his truth. And that gives us the opportunity to thrive. We can step back and say, is this the way I want my life to be used, to be spent are these the priorities? And so, so Jesus does something incredible. He actually tries to bring change here. In verse 19 earlier, he says, he, here are the two words. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then in verse 20, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So here Jesus are, automatically begins to contrast. How are you going to be shaped? How are your money habits going to be shaped? How is how you use your life and your wealth and your possessions, what are they shaped by? And he, right off the bat, he helps us understand there's two overarching principles that will lead you and guide you here. And, and he talks about heaven and earth. And I don't, I don't want to make it a, a, a good and evil thing. That's not the idea here. I think what Jesus is trying to get at is there's something incredible that happens when our money habits are shaped by heaven. Now, what does that mean? Now, I know so many times, uh, especially in, in Christian circles, people will even talk about heaven as a place we go to. 
And we here at Westside, have, I think we've tried our best, I've tried my best to help us understand that in the New Testament, we get the idea that heaven, the, the idea of when heaven is said multiple times, it's more about God's rule and reign. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come and he interchanged heaven with God. When Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer, he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wasn't saying do here what we get done like a hundred mile, billion miles away. No, no, he's saying he prays would God's will be done here in your space, in your time, with your decisions, influenced by God's space, God's realm, God's authority, God's reality, God's truth. And so, you know, Jesus gives us a vision for our money. Now, some of you are like, who's that financial advisor? I'd love to go see them. Give me a reference later, because I'd love to, like, invest my money in, like, some heaven company, you know? I think it's going to do way better than cannabis in 2019. Um, I hope so. I just said that because I know that's a popular thing today. Uh, it's true, though. Eh? We think off the bat, oh, well, maybe, maybe Jesus is saying if I put my money into God's things, I'm going to get this reward later. I'm going to have a lot of interest when I get to heaven. I'm going to walk into eternity, and they're going to say, you did so well with your funds, we're going to bless you with like 30%. Actually, let's go 40%. It's better than an RESP. We're going to give you 40% extra on your money. That's not, it's not that. It's not that, you know, in, it put your treasure in heaven, so when you get to heaven, you will get a heavenly reward. It's the idea that heaven reflects God's heart, God's priorities, God's kingdom, God's rule. And so the question is, will you invest your treasure in priorities shaped by heaven and not just earth. We know enough about the scriptures that the scriptures don't separate us from a life on earth. We're we're called to be human. We're created as human, so we live on earth. And and we're we're not separated from that idea. But this idea here is that we would be so influenced by heaven, God's rule and reign. And will we invest our treasure in priorities shaped by heaven? And I know off the bat, some people think, well, that's, that must be church. And part of that is, because this is God's mission. God's mission has a church, we're it, and we want to fuel that. But it's bigger than that, because you have to ask the question, what are heaven's priorities? What's God's kingdom look like? What's God's kingdom about? You know, I love the Apostle Paul where he says, righteousness, peace, and joy, that's the kingdom of God. God's purposes, God's justice, peace joy that you say well what if my life what if my money habits fueled god's justice and righteousness peace and joy around me would that change some of our money habits would that change some of the way we use and spend our money what reflects heaven's priorities part of its well-being part of its healthy relationships part of its joy peace and hope and and i think for me the challenge has been it's so easy uh, and uh, I shouldn't say so easy. I've, been, I've, I've grown uh, and I think been shaped by a variety of different influences in my life to give to God's work. But at times where I've fallen short is the other part of God's work, the people in my life, the relationships in my life, the areas of my life that also reflect a kingdom value that I might say I've given 
my tithe to the church, and now I'm, my generosity is, can kind of stop at the door. And it's like, well, wait, is there other ways that I use my life and my funds to fuel relationships, to bring joy and peace around me, and to resource all that God wants my life to be about? And I've had tension with that over the years. How many in the year 2000 or 2001 or two, every, put this picture on the screen. Did anybody ever remember this service, Columbia House? When you'd like, you can get eight CDs for a penny or something, and then they catch you into a, this was like an old-time subscription service. Um, and uh, you can watch some videos on how they actually made money on that. But I remember, this was a tension in my life. I had a conversation with my wife a couple of weeks ago, and it brought it up. And, and I was thinking about that. And then, so ironically, as I was looking through old papers in my garage that I have to throw out, I, I, we kept all of our bills and, you know, our budget and everything. And so I find these Columbia House invoices. I'm like, oh. And I looked at, like, the costs and different things, and I'm like, Franco was right. And, and because, because my, here's what my, my wife reminded me of. And, see, I had, I, I had, I could convince anybody about any reason why this was a good service for me because I was a musician and I loved music and I led worship so this was the Lord's work to for me to be influenced by good musicians so I could present something wonderful to the church and 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 lead a band and all that kind of stuff and so I would get these things and obviously it cost us money and it's not bad it's not bad to have CDs or it's not bad to have a collection but I remember as I, as I looked at this, I realized, and yeah, there was other things that were very important to me, or I thought, or I said they were, that I didn't fuel with my finances. And I don't mean the church, because that was like kind of taken care of in the way I thought. But it was, it was my wife and my kids and other relationships, because there's only so much money you have. And so when you spend it here, you can't spend it here. And I remember just last week looking through all these old files and getting, you know, throwing them out. I'm like, oh, Columbia House. That was a stupid money habit. That was a stupid money habit. And, and, and so, and it just, again, we look at these things and say, what's my life fueling? What's my finances fueling? Here, here's another way to look at it. And it's another angle. And ask yourself this question. Do you experience anxiety because of your money habits? Do you experience fear because of your money habits? Do you, is there conflict in your life because of your money habits? And is the anxiety, fear, and conflict, or maybe we can add feeling enslaved because of some money habits? Are the, do any of these reflect investing in heaven? Would you say so? Would this reflect God's kingdom? Would this reflect God's heart for you? Would this reflect the kingdom of God where Paul says righteousness, joy, and peace are part of the kingdom? Would we say, yes, anxiety, fear, conflict, and enslavement are part of heavenly priorities? We'd we'd all say no. And if your money habits lead to any of that, your treasures are are not being invested in heaven. They're not being invested in godly priorities. This is so important to understand, and here's why. It's not just about money. If you're passionate about discipleship, about following Jesus, about living a life that not only honors God, but that, that, that gives you the life where Jesus says, I want to give you life and life to the fullest. If that's your heartbeat and you want to grow as a disciple, money is a great place to start. Money is a great place to start. 
that if someone gets baptized in water, that their wallet would be baptized with them. <laughs> because our money is the heart, right? Where, where our money habits tell us what's in our heart, what we value. So often I hear people talking about spiritual maturity and discipleship, and often, not all the time, but often it, they mean knowledge and knowing the Bible well or, or discerning through doctrine. These are all important things. These are all important things. And yet... And yet, being a disciple of Jesus and living life in God's kingdom includes, includes things that are on God's heart, like bringing joy to people around us, like blessing those who, who we're in a relationship with, like wisely saving for the future so we don't live in bondage or fear, like, like investing in relief efforts when they, when they present themselves to us so we can be a blessing to other people in a time of need, like working towards living debt-free so we don't feel trapped, and in a corner ourselves. Or maybe it's also including resourcing God's kingdom or God's mission. All this is part of what it means to be a disciple, that our whole life, including our wealth and possessions, reflected in our habits, would invest in heaven, in God's priorities. And here's, this is why Jesus calls us to reorient what we do with our money, because of this, because he calls us to a life that is so much better and so much more meaningful and so much more purposeful than we could imagine. But often our money habits don't allow us to live that life because money is limited. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks as well, but that's part of the idea. But here, here's where Jesus calls us to. He calls us literally to reorientation, to reorient our minds around our treasure, around our money, around our habits. So he says... Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then the second verse, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? That word, that little phrase, do not store up, is you could basically say stop. Jesus is literally saying, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. And for them at that time period, like we said, it was garments, it was metal, it was precious metals, it was different things like that. He's not saying that any of that's wrong. He's just saying, be mindful that if your whole life is, is storing up these things and that these things become like the filter for, for your money habits, I want you to know this stuff is fragile. Just as fragile as your garments and linen getting eaten up by moths and as fragile as that metal you have stored in the back that's going to get rusted and as fragile as, as good as this gold is, we know the thieves in this area can sometimes just come and grab it. That's how fragile it is. And so it's not worthwhile to bet your whole life on that. So he says, stop, reorient yourselves differently and start putting your treasure in heaven. Where, the, where these things will not destroy. In other words, when our resources and our wealth start fueling things that are part of God's kingdom, they fuel things that have longevity and legacy and eternal implications. Part of that is the church, but part of that is the well-being of people around us too. And so Jesus calls us to that, to reorient ourselves. And here's the other reason why. So I said already there was two, that money flows from our heart, Money reveals our heart, but here's the third thing, and just keep this in mind. Our money habits shape our hearts. Your habits shape your heart, which shape your life. We can go the other way around. My heart, you know, produces habits that reveal what's in my heart, and that's what I live. But let me start on this side. My habits shape my heart, 
which create, start nurturing in me the kind of person that I'm becoming. And so your money habits, why Jesus is so uh, committed to saying reorient yourself is because he longs for our, our, our habits, our heart to be shaped. He longs for our hearts to, to, to flow out of his kingdom purposes, his grace, his love, his vision. So here's, here's how we're going to start this week. End today and start in this series. Really simple. Really simple. This is how we're going to start this week. I want you to slow down enough this week for a little bit of time and over the next little while. And, and just, just the, the, this other thing, where, where your treasure is, if you just put that up, Jesus asks that question or makes a statement. He says, where your treasure, and let's say where it is. That means where it's going, where you're placing it, where the emphasis is, where your treasure is. And so what I want us to do, I want us to think about the is because you and I, we have control over that is. We have control over that, where your treasure is. We actually have some control here. Now, we know God owns everything, and God's our provider. We even pray in the Lord's Prayer, God, um, you know, give us this day our daily bread. We understand he's, he provides for us, and that's wonderful. But even what he provides for us, we have freedom here to, with responsibility. So we have responsibility over the is. You're responsible for it. I'm responsible for it. So here's what I want you to do this week. And I would, even, I would say for the next 30 to 60 days, I know this series is not going to last that long, but your life will last longer than that. So this is why it's important. 30 to 60 days, I want you to track your habits. Track your money habits for the next 30 to 60 days. What do I mean by that? I want you to, to label your, your money habits. Put them under big categories. Label them debt or label them savings, or label them spending, and what kind of spending. And ask yourself, as you're labeling your money habits, what do these habits fuel? Just ask, what do these money habits fuel? That's all we're, that's all we're doing today. If we can kind of get to this, and we can actually discern and, and become aware of our money habits, we are already winners in this, and towards the kind of life that God wants to shape in us when it comes to our resources. What are your habits fueling? So track them in that way. Label them. But don't only ask what they're, what they're fueling. Ask this question. Well, how do, what do they make you feel? Do any, when, you're, when you start to track these, ask yourself, does this money habit make me feel anxiety or peace? Just ask that question. Even pray about it. Does this money habit make us, me or us, if you're in a home family, does it make us feel anxiety or does it make us feel peace? Does this money habit make me feel like I'm in bondage or does it make me feel free? What does this money habit make me feel? Does this money habit make me feel regret or does it make me feel joy? What, is it, what does it make you feel? And I know, you know, we're like, well, shouldn't we just talk about truth and what truth is? yes. But Jesus, as he's getting into the intricacies of our hearts, we must discern where does our money habits lead us? Anxiety or peace? Bondage or freedom? Regret or joy? And in this tracking and your labeling, this is another little qualifier. Who does this money habit benefit? Who does this money habit benefit? And I know, you know, I had kind of a silly illustration with Columbia House. But think about that. As you look, as you look and I look and say, where do, who does my money habit benefit? And here's the thing. If in the end it's 90% you, then you have to ask, wow, why is that the case? Why don't my money habits bless other people? So track your habits.
And then the second thing in this big category is trace your habits. Trace them back, and this is what I mean by that. Trace your habits back to what they say about you. Trace these habits back and say, what does this habit say about me? Does this habit say that I'm uh, you know, a person that, that, that other people would say is a blessing in their lives? Would this habit say that people view me as someone that only thinks about me? Would this habit say that I am someone who finds themselves in anxiety or fear because of where my money is or how much money I'm paying on this or that? Trace these habits back to what they say about you. And here's why. And you need to ask this question. Do my money habits say what I believe about myself or do they say something different? Do my money habits say something about me? Or do they say something different? Maybe say, asking it a different question. Do my money habits say what I want them to say about me? Because we have like the best intentions, right? I can tell you that I'm someone who blesses others. I'm generous. I'm wise. I'm this, I'm that. But then you track your money habits. You're like, I don't know if your money habits really say that about you, Dave. So trace them to what they say about you because you, might, you just might be surprised. You might be surprised. So track them and trace them. Because where your treasure is, Jesus says, that's where you're going to find your heart. That's where you're going to find what you value. Next couple of weeks, we're going to move forward from this into the implications of our lives and, and some of the habits that can actually fuel and bring us joy and peace and incredible impact. Let's, let's stand and pray. God, we're so, we're, we're, we're grateful because as we read this teaching of Jesus, we can see how incredibly relevant the life you long for us is. We're so grateful that beyond um, saving us for eternity, you've saved us for, from a life that often will lead us in places where we will not find the true inner joy that we're looking for. And God, that comes by us recognizing the lordship of Jesus in our lives. And we recognize his lordship even in this text. His authority as he speaks. These questions he's asking us. And so as we discern this, God, may we, may we, may we get a sense like we're sitting with you talking and you're asking us this question. Where is our treasure? Because you want to get to our heart, God. Because you know, Lord, in our hearts that what we value is how our lives will be, what it will mean for us and others around us. And our heart, God, our desire uh, is that our life would be about your purposes and your kingdom, which includes righteousness, joy, peace, human flourishing, and your mission. You've created us to be part of your mission. And so we pray, God, as we enter this, this discerning process, Lord, as we, we want to track our money habits and trace our money habits, we really invite the work of your Holy Spirit in us. Because um, we, we want this to be part of our discipleship, part of what it means to call Jesus Lord of our lives. And God, may we trust that through this, God, you have something beautiful in store for us in this growth. We surrender all to you, God. And ask for your wisdom in Jesus' name, amen.